Coming up on another episode of the Front Page Football Mini Podcast, I'll be joined by Cody Ajada and Ian Pulsinski. We reviewed last night's fixture between the Central Coast Mariners and MacArthur. The Mariners winning again and starting to really show that they are more than just a finals team, potentially a top four, who knows, maybe even top two team. We discussed a little bit uh, about that and their ladder position as well in the podcast too. And then, of course, looking to today's action, uh, we've got an original rivalry tonight between Adelaide United and Melbourne Victory, which should be very interesting with no Melbourne Victory away support, of course, usually packing out that away bay when they uh, come to Adelaide. Also, Brisbane Raw, Wellington Phoenix is an interesting game as well that we touched on. And then Perth, continuing their homestand against Sydney FC. So interesting fixtures today. Tomorrow's games as well. We've got uh, a doubleheader with the Wanderers taking on Melbourne City in in what is, you know, uh, probably the biggest game of the weekend with third hosting first. Uh, And then we've got Western United and Newcastle Jets, two clubs who are not in the best predicament at the moment. So wrapping up last night's action and looking ahead to the rest of the weekend as we do on this mini podcast every week. I'm your host, Christian Marchetti, and we'll be back right after this. Welcome back to another mini episode of the Front Page Football Podcast. And tonight we are reviewing Friday night A-League men action between MacArthur FC and the Central Coast Mariners. The Mariners, victorious yet again, 2-1 winners. They were 2-0 up at halftime. Marco Tulio and Jason Cummings with the goals. And then MacArthur pulled one back through Matt Miller. Tonight I'm joined by Cody Ajada. Cody, first of all, just uh, briefly sum up how you saw that one. Um, very exciting, very end to end. Um, I, just a bit of a context. I actually was at the match. Um, but yeah, look, thoroughly enjoyed. Um, definitely interesting performance from Ali Reza Fagani, which I'm sure we'll touch on later in the pod. Uh, I'm very excited to talk about that because there's definitely uh, two different ways you can look at his performance. But we'll we'll talk about that later. I'm sure. But t- talking about the football specifically, lots of exciting attacking talent on show. Brian Caltech is a monster and Josh Nisbet is probably one of my favorite players to watch in the league. Yeah. Brian Kaltak made a Harry Suter like uh, tackle on Jed Drew in the second half, which um, I was just waiting. I was going to go on Twitter and see like surely like some kind of Suter like comparisons on there, but uh, but I haven't seen any yet. Anyway, we're also joined by Ian Pulzinski uh, and Ian, what were your, I guess, thoughts as well uh, on the game? Well, um, good afternoon, everyone. Um, it's my first time on the mini as well, by the way. So looking forward to discuss the game. Look, I didn't watch the first half. I missed the first half. But second half, look, MacArthur came out well, I think. Um, one minute or one part of the game that they definitely like kept on attacking was from, I think, the 58th minute to be exact until maybe uh, the 10 minutes later. They had a shot from Jake Holman as well. Danny Vukovic came up uh, clutch and also... Jed Drew as well with another shot that Vukovic made another few saves. So MacArthur, despite from what I've seen, they had a really poor first half. They really gave it a go in the second half, but unfortunately for them, they just couldn't find that second goal. And look, again, the question goes with uh, York's York's team about their consistency. It's just they've had, what, six games post-World Cup. I think they won three. They've lost three, including a 
4-0 away defeat to Western Sydney Wanderers. So we still don't know what this York ball is. We asked this question on front page football socials and still no one was like inconsistent, won't make finals, some good. And in my opinion, they have a really good team. But again, tonight is just a bit of a letdown where they, they look promising. They had an okay performance against the Jets, nothing too good. But then today it was just in patches, which you can't have in the A-League level. Yeah, totally agree. I mean, you look at their record now after the loss tonight. They're now five wins, five losses, and two draws and minus one goal difference. So they really are like a smack bang kind of middle of the pack uh, sort of team based on record at the moment. They are still sitting fourth. Of course, we've still got uh, fixtures to come with the rest of the weekend. Um, But more pertinent, I think, is that their performance tonight really mirrored probably their season so far. Um, and it was really Jekyll and Hyde. I think the the first half, they were so off it. Um, the lack of effort, the lack of intensity was really noticeable. I mean, the Mariners, who although, you know, and we'll get to them in a second, were absolutely fantastic in an attacking sense and some of the sequences that they were putting together were terrific. I mean, the amount of time and space and just they were just allowed to do whatever they wanted it felt like in an attacking sense by by MacArthur and um yeah that that changed in the second half and I think the effort uh turned and as a result the game started to turn uh, on its head as well and and no doubt Dwight York at halftime has certainly brought them in and and maybe just given them a little bit of a, a kick up the ass because um they they clearly needed it in uh, in my opinion and I think it really speaks to MacArthur as a team overall this season now looking ahead i mean that surely they have to find a level of consistency if they want to be up there with the big boys because right now it's it's unclear where exactly they are and the thing is christian that macarthur they actually have you know a really talented team you've got davila you've got um aaron bully now who's got a bit of form you know he's scored a few goals he's as you said i think you read on twitter uh, you posted on twitter sorry christian that aaron bully's got that bit of a playoff uh playing you know, as a striker, number nine, he can hold the ball well and distribute it. But then MacArthur also well got Philip Curdo, really good in goals. He's saving them, I guess. The only issue with MacArthur, I guess, is that sometimes that the the defense, that final third that they have to defend from midfield to defense is just lacking in some areas. I mean, Backers came back. He was pretty poor today, in my opinion. Didn't do too well. Mm-hmm. They, but they have a good team. Like Azani came on. Uh, Jed Drew really impressed me well. But again, it's just we don't know what York Paul is, this identity and this consistency, which is a shame because, as I said, they've got a lot of quality players in their team. But I guess in some questions, York knows when to, and then York sometimes doesn't know what his strongest 11 is because you've got Craig Noon on the bench, who's a, we all know from Melbourne City, what type of play he can be and his influence up top. So I guess, you know, MacArthur, it, again, he asked that question about consistency and Dwight York, unfortunately, still, in my opinion, doesn't know which starting 11 is the best starting 11 to have every week. Yeah, and I mean, they made... Tommy Uzcock makes a, a an uncharacteristic mistake for the first goal as well. Um, you know, usually a pretty solid defender without being, I guess, spectacular. I mean, a good point I think you make about uh, Kieran Backus and that the MacArthur midfield, that duo of Backus and Holman in the first half was kind of shambolic. I thought that the amount of space... Uh, that they were leaving in behind them in between the lines between them and and the two center backs it was just way too easy for for Nkololo, Silvera, Cummings, Tulio those four players to just drop in pick up the ball turn and and then go from there so that really needed to improve um yeah, 
yeah, you mentioned with Arabuli. I think last week against Newcastle, I noticed that his that his link play and his ability to bring others into play is, is really good. Um, but then you get nights like tonight where he's not really involved and he's kind of feeding off scraps, right? So um again, agree with your point though on Jed Drew, because I thought uh he was he was good. He was definitely the bright spark throughout the whole game for them. Uh even in the first half, probably the only one who, you know, still performed. So um, yeah, for them, consistency is needed. Uh, and yeah, they they just can't, you know, make those sorts of mistakes as well. Uh, and, and we're seeing that the Mariners aren't a team you can't take lightly anymore. You can't, you know, make a mistake and then hope it's all right. You know, next time we'll, we'll get it right because that they're going to punish you now. They've got the attacking talent um, as well. I think um, you mentioned Arabuli and then tonight probably wasn't able to get too involved in the match. I said this on the pod last week where... Brian Kaltak was the perfect defender to really match up to a player like Ibusuki, who maybe doesn't play the same role, but definitely has the same characteristics that someone like Arabuli does, where they're that, they're that big striker, they're focal point of their team. They're not someone that's going to get the ball and run. They're going to get the ball and they're going to do something with it almost immediately, whether it be linking someone in or, in Ibusuki's case, he's either going for a header or just a straight shot. But when you have someone like Brian Kaltak at the back, and I love talking about this guy, he's just so good. But, um, you have someone like that and you're he's able to he he's un, almost unbeatable in those one on one situations. It almost nullifies the kind of striker that your MacArthur's that your Adelaide's have because once a defender's got your shot out of the game, you do need that plan B. And it's a little bit interesting because MacArthur, their plan B would usually be just feed it to the wingers a little bit earlier. And um Ian, you did say before that we're still trying to work out what York ball is. I feel like in that sense the way that York kind of uses his wingers is very, he doesn't put them on a leash or anything. I like how he lets them kind of express themselves a little bit. They're very creative players. You've got players like Toure, Azani, Jedru's really proven himself to be that um, same style of player this year where they like to get the ball, they like to run with it. They want to be free. They want to create something to excite fans. That's actually why they've been one of my favorite teams to watch this year. We usually see those wingers, they get the chance to express themselves a lot. Unfortunately, today, that, that just couldn't happen. Rue, I thought, had a good game. Farrell, always very strong in those one-on-one situations. So, yeah, basically, MacArthur's plan A and plan B were nullified. And when you, when that happens, I guess you can only pay credit to the Mariners. Yeah, well, it's interesting, Jacob Farrell, you mentioned there, because, I don't know, I thought in the first half, though, you did get caught out quite a few times with, with Jed Rue in behind. Uh, and, and that was probably played to the fact that Jed Rue was one of MacArthur's better players but it's interesting watching Jacob Farrell the last couple of weeks quite closely and actually noticing that his attacking progression is come a long way uh, and he's still a very solid defender he when he broke out that was one of the things he was very, very well known for right is, is a really solid one-on-one defender uh, and he was really good um, in in the Montgomery side from from the get-go so uh, that's that's an interesting point there as well I think um, let's touch on the Mariners a bit more um, and talk about some of their attackers because one man who has been absolutely superb these last two weeks, and I'm really hoping it's not a big injury for him when he when he came off in the second half. But Sam Silvera, um, we uh, yeah spoke about him a little bit last time, and he is just kind of yeah just the last two weeks. I don't know what's kind of happened, but he's maybe I I feel it's like he sensed his opportunity with with Garen Kowal now going out on loan. Uh, sorry, not going out on loan from Newcastle. Obviously, he's left the Mariners. Sorry. Um, and he's kind of sensed the opportunity. And now you feel like he's got that spot for, you know, 
to, to hold down and really start week in, week out, injuries permitted. And the thing with uh, Sam Silvera as well that we know, I mean, previous experience um, with the Mariners as well and with the Jets, like we've seen that what he can do. He's a winger that loves, he's probably a winger that suits MacArthur in that sense that he loves to be unleashed mm. where, you know, he just wants to do his things. He's always got an eye for goal. He's a very threatening player. And I think last week against Adelaide, you give him a little bit of a chance, he'll just punish you straight in the box. So look, it's it's good to see. And it's good to see that the Mariners have that, I wouldn't say like replacement, but they they sort of do have that replacement for uh, Garen Qual, which is great. And look, we'll see because, as I said earlier, Sam Silvera, we know what what he can do. And he's very, he's a very exciting player. I think he's capped for Australia. Yep, he's capped under 23s for Australia. So look, and he's had a bit of, you know, Sam Silvera is an interesting footballer because he had a lot of hype at the Mariners first time around, mm. went to Portugal, but then lost his way down the, you know, on loan, on loan, didn't really make a lot of appearances. He's still 22 years of age. Uh, he can definitely create another, you know, career rejuvenation at the age of 22. And hopefully if he's, you know, the Mariners play him, Montgomery really, if Montgomery is really impressed by him, then, you know, we'd never know. Maybe we could have a grand qual situation where signs for another Premier League club. We'll see what happens. But it's very interesting to see how Silvera will develop uh, with the remaining games this season. Maybe a Riley McGree situation comes back to the A-League with Geneva's career, mm. gets a transfer fee. Christian, I think it's a bit disrespectful to say that he's rejuvenated the last couple of weeks. I thought he's been pretty good this season, even from the get-go. No, I was I was just talking more like it, it seems like now he's, like I said, he's sensed that opportunity. And, and it's more, more to the point that he seems to be playing with maybe a different attitude because there's a spot now very clearly there for him. Of course, Maresh being out as well, um, which, which plays into that. But, I mean, the Mariners attack... In general, you've got Cummings, Tulio, Silvera, Michael Ruse. Ayongo has kind of not really done much since he's been there, but he is, you know, a foreign signing who they expected probably uh, to to contribute, right? Um, so they're they're kind of stacked, um, and it's kind of surprising because you know we know the Mariners, we know that they're kind of development first, and they rely on their youth a bit, but. They've really recruited well in that area, and it's showing because they they look like a threat for any team in the competition. Um, and more importantly, they look like a top four spot is definitely not out of the question for them. I think based on, you know, if we have to gun to my head right now and make a prediction around finals, they're certainly going to be one of those six teams. That's, that's without doubt. Um, but now I think the question for them is, can they, you know, get a home final? Can they finish top four? We're almost at the halfway point. So I think, you know, starting to talk about these sorts of things is is probably uh, necessary. I think if you're going to ask any question, I'd be asking if they're top two material the way the season's going at the moment. Mm. I don't think it's out of the question. Wanderers no, yeah. will be a big challenge. and That'll probably depend on how the City game goes tomorrow. On Sunday, sorry, Sunday. Well, tomorrow, once this is released, actually, we're not releasing it at 11.30 on Friday night, I'm sure. But um, yeah, if Wanderers get a win, that obviously throws that into a different question. But Mariners, I don't think they should be out of the conversation for top two. Mm. Yeah, this, just, yeah, Ian, yeah. Just remember, just remember, Christian, as well that top two, uh, you get the AFC Cup group stage. So, look, if the Mariners mm. can get that as well, that'd be a massive amount of money um, for the Central Coast. And we all know that Central Coast Mariners are, as you said earlier, they're a bit of a you know tight budget club. Um, but look, if they can get some money, some bonuses from competing in that competition, that would be just incredible for the club and the community. So, hopefully. You know, for their sake, they can make a top two. You know, maybe minor premiership, they can catch Melbourne City, but that's very unlikely. But look, um, as you said, I think as Cody alluded to earlier, top two is a very big chance for them. Yeah. Tell you what they won't get. 
a home grand final if they earn it. No. <laughs> hey, well, they're not. It's not that bad, you know. Central Coast, Sydney, you know. Yeah, yeah I enough, guess. Yeah. Well, the last time they had a grand final in Sydney, it caused a bit of an uproar. So I doubt they're going to be happy to do it again. Mm. <laughs> mm, we'll see. Mm. Yeah, yeah. All right. Rest of the weekend. Um, let's have a look at Saturday's fixtures. Wait, or can today's... we? Can we just? Can yeah, Can yeah, we mention okay. one thing from that Maybe game not. first? Because are, are we just going to completely over the fact that Josh Nisbet? Um, how tall is he? Five foot two, five foot one. <laughs> Completely ran the midfield that day. You're talking about Bacchus and um, Jack Holman having a poor game. It was probably because Nisbet was that much on fire. And also the fact that he won two headers today and basically any aerial duel that he had. I was astounded. That was honestly one of the best, probably one of the best performances I've seen from a midfielder this season. You know, you know uh, why I don't touch I, I, on I it? I think that deserves a bit of touching on. That was brilliant. No, I'll tell you why I don't touch on it because I've actually watched a lot of Josh Nesbitt since like he first started and I, you know, I expect it from him. He's just good. He's just a good, good footballer. Um, And, you know, he just shows it every week, but I, I do agree, of course, oh, of being, course, being, but being I, more serious. Like, we don't talk about the Mariners a lot on this podcast, so I feel like it, it's yeah. worth mentioning. No, no, absolutely. He's such a fantastic footballer. I, I really just wanted to put it out there. Mm. No, no, he's terrific. Uh, and he looks like him and Harry Steele are, are forming a nice little partnership there as well. Uh, also, you mentioned Brian Kaltak before. I think Nectar Triantis should also get a bit of a shout out too. I think uh, him and Kaltak together are forming a really nice partnership as well. One thing about those two. Um, sorry, just had a bit of water. Um, I like that they're kind of polar opposites of each other where Kaltak's is this big kind of menace of a defender. Not afraid to get stuck in, stocky build, gets the ball. It's still obviously class on the ball, but <clears throat> sorry. But um, yeah, definitely his overri- overriding attributes are the fact that he's very big, very strong, and very tough to get past. Whereas Triantis is his more classy defender, good on the ball, play it out type of guy. I don't know, just like, I like the um, what do you call it? the opposite? The dynamic, yeah, the dynamic, dynamic between yes. the two. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it definitely works well, for sure. Um, okay, are we all good with the MacArthur Mariners wrap or Ian? Can we talk about Fagani to... first? Yeah, oh, Fagani. Fagani, yeah. of course. We have to talk about Ali Reza Fagani. How on earth? Man, I think it's because we're recording this really late at night, so I'm forgetting a couple of things. But Ali Reza Fagani and his refereeing performance tonight. Um, Obviously, if you know Ali Reza and you know he's refereeing, he can be quite... Um, you know, trigger happy with the cards and he likes to definitely get on top of things early and, and snuffle out anything, uh, anything, you know, that, that might cause problems further down the line. Um, but tonight he, although gave out seven yellow cards by the end of it, um, which surprised me when I actually uh, saw that at the end of the game, he um, let a lot of things go. Um, and I don't know, there's a few times where it was like, they were so blatant some of these fouls where it was like, well, you know, mate, I think, uh, you know, you need to probably get on top of this. But at the same point, you, you know, it kind of turned it into a nice kind of end-to-end transition game by the end because the game was flowing a lot. And I think two attacking sides, it suited uh, both. So, uh, Cody, you brought him up, so I'll let you kind of uh, do a bit of a spiel about uh, uh, Fagani's refereeing tonight. Well, you're talking about him letting the game run. One thing that probably wasn't picked up on the cameras was the fact that every time there was a 50-50 offside call, if it didn't result in a goal... Even if the call was offside, I saw him telling, actually telling the linesman to keep their flag down just to make sure, yeah, we'll play it on. It doesn't matter. The other team's won the ball. Let's just keep going. So I think that was something that, I don't know if that was picked up by the cameras or not, if you guys saw that on the broadcast or anything, but that was something I noticed. I thought that was actually really good. Um, in terms of his actual refereeing, um, 
I did have a lot of words to say about Sean Evans last week, and I'm not going to go down that spiel again because it wasn't one of those things where it was just a very poor um, kind of one-sided performance. The thing that I liked about this, and it's I do want to take a positive away from it. I said it last week. I don't want to be one of those guys lambasting referees, so I'm going to give um, Fagani credit where it's due today. Everything that he did today was consistent. If he was looking at some, he set the standard very early, he was going to let things go, and he kept that throughout the whole match. He didn't change it up. He was almost only calling fouls if it was actually worth a card, which is why there probably were so many cards in the end. Then, of course, you've got the fact that Ali Reza, if um, someone says boo to him, he basically starts screaming and throwing a little tantrum. That's one of the things I don't like about him. But look, you shouldn't really be going off of referees. He's well within his rights to do that. I know some refs are usually a bit more lenient with it. He isn't. He set that precedent in the past. Consistency. It's the one thing that we ask from referees. So as much as maybe we can debate whether the line that he was setting was correct or not. The fact is he set that line himself and he stuck to it. So in that case, I do want to give him a lot of credit. I'm probably going to get a fair bit of hate for that, for kind of backing up a lot of decisions that he made that were quite perplexing. But look, it's, it's one aspect that I like and I thought it was worth mentioning. Well, I don't think his refereeing performance was necessarily bad. I think it's just that there, there were some decisions, some non-decisions that were just baffling. Uh, I mean, Marco Tullio, it seemed like he was getting just, just butchered in the second half, right? Um, without really getting any help from him. So, yeah, that's what I mean. But it, the line was set that no matter who it was, it, there's times where Azani was getting butchered too and they were letting it go. So it was, it was consistent. It was going both ways. Clearly, he doesn't mind people getting stuck in a little bit. Obviously, in the past, maybe he has today. It's like, yep, I'm going to let the game flow. I'll let some challenges come in. But um, look, as long as it's going both ways, you don't want a situation like you saw last week. Actually, let's just briefly touch on you mentioned Arzani there, Ian. Um, what did you make of Arzani's cameo off the bench? I thought he was, I thought he was very good. He kind of helped change things a little bit. Um, but more, more to the point, is he going to force his way back into the starting eleven with this team? Because I've been, a li- I was surprised that Dwight York made a couple of changes and Craig Noon came out, but Daniel Arzani was not one of those players to come in. Yeah, look, the thing with Daniel Azani is that we know that the, what he can do and what he can offer to the MacArthur team. And as we mentioned just earlier um, today in the podcast, it, like, you know, Dwight York, his sort of playing style is that unleash the wingers. And we can actually see Azani getting unleashed. He can do whatever he wants. He likes taking on defenders one-on-one situation. Yes, you get the occasional dive, I'd say, or, you know, you know the occasional, you know, wants to win a penalty. But Azani definitely brings a bit of spark into the MacArthur team. We obviously talked about Jed Drew and Drew was really good on that one side, but then Azani as well, just cutting back in, he was causing headaches for the MacArthur players, like a bit of a menace. And with us, with Azani is just, is he a player that's good for 90 minutes or for 80 minutes, or is he better second half sub, maybe last 30 minutes or so? We just don't know what type of winger Azani can be or can be utilized. Obviously, you know, if you want to get a goal, he's great to go up forward, but then, you know, do you have a winger? Do you start him off or on? Do you have a winger that, you know, can play more than a half and just, you know, control the game, maybe defend or drop back. Because in my opinion, I don't think Azani is a great winger when it comes to dropping in defense, like defense situations on the counter, for example. I don't think Azani is a, a winger that drops back and helps. I think he's got Vujica as his left back. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> look, we'll see what how York plays. I think Azani is better off as a, you know, half, half, uh, sorry, one half sub or something like that. I don't think he's a starting winger, um, and he's definitely like an impact sub in my opinion. That's uh all right. That's interesting. I think 
if Daniel Arzani was told that was going to be his role for the rest of the season, I don't think he'd be pretty happy with that. Um, this is a guy who had some pretty big expectations. So let's see how the season plays out and see if he can force his way into the starting lineup. Okay, uh, today's fixtures then. Um, we've got Brisbane, Royal Wellington, Phoenix, another version of the original rivalry in Adelaide, uh, and then Perth Glory, Sydney FC. Okay, um, what, uh, Cody, I think I think the one that's, stands out definitely to me is is the original rivalry um and funnily enough this presents Adelaide United with an opportunity to not just you know kick Melbourne victory while they're down but also return to to the form that they were actually in when they last played Melbourne victory uh which was their best performance of the season so far yeah look 100% um Adelaide they haven't been the best form themselves so it's a chance for them it's a chance for either side to really kind of refine themselves i don't think Melbourne victory this might be a bit of a hot take. I don't think they've been as bad as what the results have suggested. In certain patches, yes, they really should be scoring a lot more than what they have considering the attacking talent that they have. But you do see games, they, they do hold on to the ball quite well. They're able to move the ball forward quite well. It's just that final third where they've just been horrible, which considering the talent that they have, especially in that area of the pitch, should be a hell of a lot better. I saw a stat today where it's like the um, highest and lowest XGs. Melbourne Victor actually among the top performers in that regard. I think it just shows that XG sometimes doesn't really mean too much. But definitely a massive opportunity for Adelaide. And Christian, one thing I want to kind of put to you, mm-hmm. considering there is this ban on Melbourne Victory fans going to the game, mm. will that dilute the atmosphere around the original rivalry a little bit? Or what 100%. are you expecting from it? Oh, 100%. 100%. Are you disappointed and, and... about it, but? Yeah, no, I think, I think you know, the, the Victory fans, when they travel to Adelaide, like, you know, Adelaide fans will you know, berate them and stuff with the game and things like that, classic rivalry stuff. But you want them there, 100%. Um, and uh, Craig Goodwin fronted the um, front of the media today, uh, ahead, of the, ahead of the game. And he, yeah, he, he kind of seemed to suggest that as well. Like, you know, it's it's disappointing, basically, is what he said, that that victory fans won't be there. Um, so, you know, that's, it, it will be weird. You know, victory fans always travel. They've always got a huge away bay um, when when they when they go to Coopers, um, and it's it's going to be a really strange one. Uh, and I think just you know, for 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 victory, that doesn't help them either. The players obviously uh, because they're going to be going into an environment, although it's going to be quite hot. So let's see. Uh, what the attendance is actually going to come around to. Hopefully, it is still a strong attendance. But you know that that's going to be a pretty. Um, a pretty, you know, up for it kind of Adelaide crowd. And, you know, they're going to be facing that. But to your point, Cody, if Melbourne Victory can find a win in this game, I mean, the confidence and the 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 momentum that that could suddenly, you know, go in their favour um, uh, could, be, could be massive. So, yeah. And also just, sorry, Christian, what you're adding on about the fans, like, you know, Melbourne Victory, what they bring to the original rivalry in Adelaide. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm growing up watching the A-League, you know, the original rivalry for me was always watching Adelaide United against Victory. And you always see that pocket of away fans, it's not even a pocket. It's just sometimes it was just even, it was the bottom stand, a little bit of the bottom and then mm-hmm. uh, a little bit of top as well. And that was always sold out. So it'll be really disappointing to see no Victory fans or no official Victory fans. Um, we'll see what happens tonight. Um, but look, as you said, it's disappointing that Victor in this situation, but if they get a win, then that is massive confidence boost given what's happened at the club, the nanny situation as well. And to what Cody said earlier about victory, they haven't been playing that bad. Like, yes, it hasn't been good, 
Uh, and in patches, it's been okay-ish, a bit rough, but it's not, for my opinion, a bottom place team, and especially with the quality that they have. So, look, we'll see um, how the game pans out, and just a shame that the victory fans won't be there as well. I yeah, think the I best agree. way I can kind of prove my point is the fact that they came last or well, two seasons ago. They played horribly that whole season. They they offered nothing in each game. They were often overrun. I don't get that feeling about this. Like, there's still a lot of quality on the park. There's still a lot of the players that were there from last year where they made the push for the minor premiership. So, look, they probably just need one win to really turn things around. But going into a game like this against Adelaide, if they had an away backing there, I'd say they have every opportunity to take something from this game. But they're going to be going into basically a cauldron of people absolutely preying on a further downfall from them. So I I don't see it happening. I think Adelaide will kind of rediscover their form in a way. Well, in a way, they will rediscover their form. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point. I think with all the noise around victory at the moment as well, that probably adds to the the hype around this from a perspective of Adelaide fans actually wanting to go, you know, get get in the faces of victory players and actually kind of like really kick them down, uh, kick them, sorry, while they're down as well. So, uh, yeah, j- just some things well. Craig Goodwin as well, that, what he was talking about um, yesterday, sorry, uh, at the at the press conference and he was talking, basically saying, yeah, so it's, a, you know, him and kind of the other senior players on the team basically having some pretty harsh words around, you know, not, not harsh, but more, you know, need to address certain things. They definitely spoke about their disciplinary um, issue with with the red cards as well. Um, of course, his AES will miss the next three games. He'll miss this game uh, tonight as well. So, yeah. And and one last thing on that one, Carl Viet was actually meant to face the media yesterday as well, but uh, he was unwell uh, at the end of the training session and had to had to go home. Was was the understanding? And I think that was just because of the heat. So he he should be fine um, to be in the dugout for the game, but that was just uh, an interesting one there. Okay, other games on Saturday. Let's just quickly touch on Brisbane Raw and Wellington Phoenix. Uh, Cody, how do you read this one? Um, well, Brisbane have finally broken their duck of a uh, very, very long run of draws, which is great to see. We finally get a bit of excitement and results coming from their games. But um, look, it's a very exciting tack from Wellington Phoenix's point of view against Brisbane Raw, who probably underratedly, one of the strongest defences in the competition this season, which we spoke about last week where now kind of even if Aldridge is dropping out, they're still able to hold their structure. It doesn't really cause too much um, confusion, distress, or strain on them trying to step up. So it will be interesting to see how it plays out. If Brisbane, if their back line is on form, I would be surprised if they do take a result again. One thing that I will probably say from this game, I can see it being a low-scoring affair. I don't know who will go either way. It'll be a draw. I forgot, I kind of forgot to put my tips in for this week for um, the A-League on the, on the keep-up account. Um, that and fantasy has kind of gone out the window a little bit lately, unfortunately, even though I was enjoying it so much. But, um, yeah, I think if there's one prediction up for this game, I'm not going to say either way, but under 2.5 goals if you're a betting man or a betting woman. Um, and also just quickly, Brisbane Raw this season, 11 games, 6 draws. Wellington Phoenix, 11 games, 5 draws. So I there we go. No old draw. So Put I your think, money on it. Put your house on it. Yeah. Don't do that. Again, we're responsibly. Again, we're not but, advocating um, that here. <laughs> but um, look, in terms of my thoughts on Brisbane and Wellington, it's just because I think Brisbane are really underrated in that sense. A lot of people mm. just think they see Brisbane raw play and they're like, oh, okay, great. I can just miss that game or whatever. And Brisbane, yeah, look, they're not playing the best football. Oh, but then again, they have the absence of Jay O'Shea, and that is massive. Yep. 
Because yeah. JSA is one of the most, you know, attacking players in the league. And, you know, without him, then Brisbane lose a lot of attack. And look, Brisbane... I'd say home, more control. More, more control mm. of games is what they lose. But yeah, as you were saying. Yeah. And look, Brisbane, it's a tough one. They've lost Austin, but I think you said this last mini I was listening to or something that you say, you think that Brisbane's better off without Austin. Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah. I actually, I, I stand by that. Um, And I think just and i don't want to you know we got it got uh three other games you just want to touch on mm. uh before this becomes again you know like a full podcast but mm. um in terms of brisbane and their strike situation i'd really like to see them that they're probably gonna you know go out and try and get another foreigner but you know they've gone in the part you know you look at juan lescano charlie austin these are kind of more you know slower um yeah. poaching type strikers i'd really like them to see some a striker who is quick agile uh can break the lines constantly with with runs in behind i think if they could get a striker like that who who is a proven goal scorer foreigner um which is not easy to do for a club like brisbane but if they can do that that for me would complement armiento henry Hoare, joe knowles these guys perfectly now cody you said joseph knowles you know could be that guy i don't know if if you're a team that wants to you know compete come finals time joe, joe knowles is a good player and he can certainly probably get a few goals here and there. But if he, I don't think he can be your starting striker week in, week out to to really achieve, you know, uh, lofty goals. To be fair, I put someone else forward for Brisbane to go for. That was Australian. That can do all the things that you said on a pod very, very recently, if you remember. Uh, I, it, now, I don't know if this is the guy you said, but one guy who's actually really springing to my mind right now, who's not getting minutes at his club at the moment because of Alexander Priovich, is Dylan Wenzel Halls. Yep, that was the guy I said. And there you go. That was the guy you said. <laughs> You're talking about a former raw boy. What, didn't you grow yeah. up in Ipswich? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. He's, exactly. He's, yeah. It's, yeah. it's written in the stars. Bring him back. He'll, he's a striker they need, and frankly, he needs minutes. Mm. And you look at um, Western United's striking situation. You start Priovic. You have Bodic on the bench, who at his stage of his career probably could do that role. And at least he's not then competing for minutes with another striker trying to get off the bench. So it, it works out for everyone. Brijevic has probably a little bit less competition on his back. Mm. Maybe, I don't know if that'll be good for him in the long run, but he'll definitely like it. He won't be complaining. Wenzel Halls goes somewhere where he's going to start. Bodic gets more minutes off the bench at a stage in his career where he needs it. So, win, win, win. Brisbane, make it happen, please. Um, what's his name again? Chris Fong. Go for it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> do, yeah, something, nah. do something right for your club. Yeah, no, I t- totally agree. I think Wenzel Halls is a great shout. Okay, uh, Perth, Sydney FC, another interesting uh, game. This one, Perth continuing their home stand, but they're going to be without Adam Taggart. Uh, he's still one to two weeks away is the is the um, word from Ruben Zakovic. So, uh, in thoughts on that. No Adam Taggart, but I think Perth, you know, they're, they're, they're building something kind of nicely over the last couple of games. Uh, although they won through kind of fortuitous st- circumstances against Brisbane with a with a couple of, let's be honest, shit goals. Um, you know, they are playing a lot better. There's a bit of confidence. There's a bit of momentum. Um, how do you see this one playing out? I've got uh, three things on my uh, predictions list. One, we're going to see a Macedonia Park sunset. <laughs> Two, Perth Glory is going to win. And three, Stephen Corica will be sacked 48 hours after the game. That's wow. how. That's how I see. It. Yeah, no, that's how I see it. I think that Perth win against a Sydney side that you know desperate. I think that they're. I think that the Sydney FC dressing room is, is getting lost, in my opinion. I think that you know Corica's times is up, in my opinion. I think that Sydney FC do have the quality, um, but you know as Luke 
Bodnar said through Matt Olsen on Front Page Football that Macedonia Park is sort of this fortress. You know, it, it might be 4,000 people, but it feels much more bigger than that. And it's spurring them at the, at the moment. They're playing good football at that arena. It's just, and yeah, it might have been scrappy against Brisbane. They got like two goals or not, but they're winning games. It's it's a very, it's a completely different atmosphere, I feel like, in WA now about the Perth Glory, where, you know, they, they're watching the games away from home. It's like, oh, okay, Perth Glory, they're playing away. But now it's like, you know, Fortress WA, not COVID, like, you know, Fortress WA, uh, you know, Perth Glory edition. So, look, I think Perth, they're just, I, I, I have them winning against Sydney FC. I just, I don't see much in Sydney FC now after that Wellington, you know, the the two penalties missed and whatnot. I, it just, look, Sydney FC for me are a really good team. No doubt about that. I, I do believe that they're top four material in the A-League, but whether that's, you know, represented on the pitch, I don't know. It's just, they're not getting results. And I think, that Sydney FC should maybe alter some new decisions, something around, you know, the board, because, you know, if they lose against Perth Glory, it can't get like lower from a results point of view. Mm. Yeah. Okay. You know Um, what, Ian, I would find it mm. extremely hilarious. If we do see a Perth win, Steve Corey could get sacked, but the weather ends up shit in Perth and we don't see that sunset. (laughs) If that's the one thing that kind of ruins your predictions. Now, look, if I have to put two cents in on Perth, um, I think a bit like Brisbane, they've become a very, very hard team to at least beat, especially at home. Um, Macedonia Park, as Luke Bodnar did say to Matt Olsen, um, who got to join the Perth Glory pre-match press, press conference. Uh, congratulations to him. I believe that's his first time he's done something like that. So mm. great step for him. But um, yeah, look, s- small, intimate ground. Definitely a lot easier for players to feed off that kind of energy. Definitely... Uh, very, very tough place to go to for teams nowadays. And on the other hand, you look at Sydney FC. Um, there isn't much about them. I did say last week, I think that they're at a point where they really need to draw a line in the sand. And that comes from a change at the top, which is with Corica's job. Yeah, I'll add my two cents in. I don't know if you can call a place a fortress if you've only won like two games there. Um, but I would say uh, uh, it's becoming a fortress. That's what I mean. <laughs> All right. yeah. it's coming, so, like, so okay. I think I think more people need to use the term "becoming" um, when they okay. when they describe it. Okay, well, right. it's becoming uh, a fortress, Christian. Yeah, uh, let's just finish off by uh, you know what, just some predictions for the Sunday games. Uh, now I know we didn't get to talk in depth about this one, um, but uh, Cody, give us a prediction for the Wanderers against Melbourne City because this is. You know, although, you know, Adelaide are playing victory and that's always a big game, this is arguably more important in terms of the standings. Well, I do hope I'll beat that one too, actually. Um, if I've got to go for what I want to happen, um, I'd love a 4-3 either way. I'd, I want to see a lot of goals. There's a lot of, there's a lot of attacking talent on one team, at least, on the other side. Uh, very, very good defense and some, some good plays going forward. I won't count the Wanderers out. I know I've said some things about their striker. I still believe it, but... They do have some other attackers that are very good. Hopefully, Ninkovic is going to be back um, involved soon. Uh, if I have to go for a prediction, though, I'd say probably Melbourne City 3-1. I'm going to be specific with this one. I'm going to get it wrong. <laughs> That's psycho right. predictions, man. I'll, I'll pick it. I'll, I'll, I'm okay picking a team. I'm definitely not picking a result. It's definitely not finishing 3-1. But I'll go for it. I'm putting them... I'll, I'll, if I have to back anything, it'll be that. Yeah, yeah. If I, if I had to make a prediction, it would be Melbourne City as well. For me... This game probably plays out with the Wanderers, you know, sitting a bit deeper, trying to absorb pressure and probably playing more on the counter-attack with with City, as always, you know, trying to be on the front foot and dominating possession. Okay, Ian, last game, 
uh, Western United against the Newcastle Jets, which is an interesting game, this one, because, um, you know, Arthur Pappas is, seems anyway uh, to be coming under some increasing, you know, scrutiny uh, in the Newcastle role. And, of course, there were some comments about, you know, that the club's youth system and setup uh, during the week as well, which raised a few eyebrows. And Western United, on the other hand, after seemingly looking a little bit better, got absolutely, you know, uh, slapped against Melbourne City last week uh, in losing 4-0. So give us uh, just just a quick prediction and why for, for Western United and Newcastle. Uh, I just think that the prediction will be uh, 1-0 for Western United. I think Prejevic will get the goal, uh, former Legia man. So hopefully he gets another goal. And it's just, as you said earlier, I think that Newcastle, <clears throat> there's issues that we don't know, in my opinion. I think that there's something going on there. And with Western United, look, they're just, they. I think it's just going to be a little like MacArthur situation where win-loss, win-loss. It's just, they're trying to get that some consistency after a very poor start. Um I don't think that these two teams are really that good, in my opinion. I don't think... Like, West United are okay, but I just feel like it's... Mate, they'll score a goal, and I think that'll be just it, to be honest. Newcastle are one of those teams where they try really hard to, to just attack and attack, but it just nothing comes to fruition, unfortunately. So, look, if I think my prediction is that West United win 1-0, an early goal, and they'll just sit back. And just Newcastle, as... Look, they're not a very bad team, but it's just whenever they try and attack and they have the ball and they're just going for it, they never can score. They never can utilize um, the position, uh, the possession they have or, you know, the chances that they create. So my prediction is that West United will win. I think it'll be a low scoring game, one or two nil. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. Very fair prediction. Okay. So recap of the games that we've got today, Brisbane Royal Wellington Phoenix is the early game. Adelaide United, Melbourne Victory, original rivalry, prime time. And then later on Perth Glory host Sydney FC Sunday's games. Wanderers hosting Melbourne City, West United hosting Newcastle Jets. Okay, make sure you catch up, you know, catch all the action um, because I think uh, that there's definitely some tasty fixtures there, um, you know, when you really look into it and, and deep dive into it. Okay, um, but tonight it was, uh, you know, the Mariners getting it done again. Um, and uh, yeah, they're, they're continuing this excellent streak that they've got going at the moment. Um, so that's going to conclude another mini. Make sure you check us out on social media. That's Front PG Football on Twitter and Instagram, Front Page Football on Facebook, and check out our website as well, frontpagefootball.net. All right. Uh, for now, that's going to do it for this episode of the mini, and you can listen to us in the next one soon. 